WNQA. Hello. 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 Hello and Hello. welcome to uh, WMQ&A. Uh, if you can't tell, uh, this is, uh, it's, it's a three, one, it's a three amigos special, but two, uh, we're doing it live. We're, we're, we're here, man. Uh, we're, our, our Fizey is fully cooked and, uh, we're hanging out for the first time in a while. We're doing it live and hopefully the fucking thing doesn't suck! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ah, goddamn. Reunited and it feels so good. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, we, we, we've done, we've done some specials the past year. We, uh, you know, we made Lonnie Nadler rewatch Halloween three. <laughs> we, uh, we plagued Philip Kennedy Johnson with questions about alien, but it, you know, it's, it's nice to be in the same room. Um, hey, I've recently, uh, introduced Mr. Tom Atkins to the, the three amigos in WQA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's, let's start with that. Yes, that is a good place. To start. Rob went to a con. <laughs> this was not, you know, it was, uh, perfect way you can do this except you know for a, you know a 90 degree weekend but uh the monster mania horror convention which is uh held twice a year in uh cherry hill decided that you know the show will go on this year and they decided uh you know right outside of philly they basically had it in a giant parking lot and kind of you know, turned it into an outdoor horror flea market if you will it was you know tons of uh tented vendors and you know the usual wares you know you find at these conventions and then they had, uh, it's like, like maybe like seven or eight legacy stars, like people that, you know, they have at every show. You know, they had like uh, Adrian Barbeau, uh, Doug Bradley as Pinhead. Basically anybody who lives in Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that Doug Bradley weekend. lives in Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, and uh, they had Mr. Tom Atkins from the uh, legendary Halloween 3. And hell of a line to meet him, you know, mm-hmm. as always expected. And. You know, I finally uh, figured, you know what, this is going to be the day. I've got to go up to him. I've, I've been to so many shows where he was at. And it's, you, know, you see that line, and it's like, yeah, yeah I really got to go get Sid Haig. I really got to get Robert Englund. <laughs> so, no, today was, was was all about Atkins. And, uh, oh, he did not disappoint one bit. Uh, the few minutes I got to spend with him, I did tell him about, you know, I got two autographs. I got one for me, and then I got him to write out one to the show, to the three amigos. Help me! <laughs> and I was explaining to him, it's like, okay, we have this, you know, there's a show that, you know, I participate in. We're the three amigos, WQMA. And we recently did an episode. It was kind of a running gag these guys had about asking, you know, comics professional people, you know, have you seen Halloween 3? <laughs> this whole discourse about that. And he didn't quite get it, but he was a little bit amused by it. And, sure. and then I told him, it's like, well, you know, we finally did the episode. I was part of it. And it came down to, it's like, okay, Tom Atkins, he is like the perfect mix of like, you know, the, that hammy charisma of Bruce Campbell with that blue collar intensity of Charles Bronson. I told him this, he just slaps the table, that Pittsburgh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this was worth it. Getting sun poisoning on my forehead and waiting like an hour and a half to meet him. That was worth it. Oh, man. Uh, overall, though, uh, you know, how did it feel just be out? Out and about doing a thing. (laughs) It felt good. You know, the very first table that I went to had uh, these horror-themed pennants. Like, if you've ever, like, you know, visited, like, Virginia or Tennessee, and you go to, like, any kind of gas station or anywhere that sells, you know, touristy shit, you always find those pennants. Like, I don't even... (laughs) What what material is that? It's like a felt? A felt. There you go. But they had those, like, in that old, like, that gaudy style, but they were horror themed. So they had, like, Crystal Lake and Springfield. It's the very first table I go to. And it's just, like, I I practically topple over. It's like, (laughs) oh, it's it's an oasis in the desert. 
It's like, I've missed you. I've never seen this guy before. Yeah. <laughs> but he got it. And it's like, you got to realize, I mean, I haven't been to a con probably since like the summer of, you know, 19. So it's it's nice to be back. You know, it's, it's a little bit modified to, you know, the, the needs of the times. But I got it. It felt good. I mean, it was the show was sold out over the weekend. It was mm-hmm. nice to be out. Everybody had their T-shirt game on. I was worried. I, I got a shirt of uh, House, the 77... Mm-hmm. Gonzo Japanese musical slash Scooby Doo slash horror, whatever you want to call it, you know, and props all around, and it was just it, it felt good. It felt really good. It felt like you know I could kind of taste the normalcy. It's 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 there. It's coming. Uh, you know, this is. We're, we're all still filling our oats, right? Like I'm still wearing a mask when oh, I go into stores, yeah. just because you know. I don't know where these people have been. That's it's not exactly the worst habit. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it isn't. And listen, my kids aren't vaccinated. Right. So they're quite comfortable. I think everyone will be wearing them in the future. <laughs> Plus, I mean, we're dorks. I mean, we can smell our own. I yeah. Mean, how many awesome dorky masks have you picked up in the last year? Oh, well, Hillary, my wife has just been buying Shop Disney masks. So now I've got like Star Wars and Marvel and, you know, all that stuff. Done. 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 For, no. for the listeners, Rob is holding up a Space Invaders mask yes. that looks like the first stage. Which, you know, I had to retire the, the HAL 9000 for a while for a little bit of a washing. But... The one out in my car is all D20s. Amber, Amber made it. You know, she made a whole bunch of masks. She's made various cats and nerd stuff. Yeah, uh, it, yeah I, I, I want to keep, keep wearing them. That's right. Amber was sewing masks uh, throughout the entire pandemic. Yes, I have a ton of them, and I'm going to continue to wear them. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. It was funny because you know we were out to dinner a couple weeks ago, and I, you know I was talking to your son Logan about you know this whole experience that we're going through because he was telling me how excited he was to actually physically go back to school, and being you know the sagely Uncle Yavo that I am <laughs> was telling you know remember this, yeah, you're part of a history right now that like your dad and I, like, we can't even really relate to. I mean, we grew up with a whole different, like, set of horrors. And, yeah. You know, we had, you know, there was the AIDS <laughs> epidemic. There was apartheid. There was the Challenger destruction. The satanic ne- panic. Yeah. <laughs> we never went through a worldwide pandemic. I mean, this is going to be something, you know, going forward, you're going to remember, and you're going to be telling young people about, like, I lived through this. Mm-hmm. And everything, and meanwhile, the dorks like us, you know, we're just gonna keep all these masks, and make a little gallery out of them. Yeah. Uh, then we drink a bunch of sake. It was a good time. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I I just can't wait to get another sketch of my sketchbook. I haven't got one since oh, it. Yeah. What was the? Do you remember do you, what the last sketch was? Oh, I am trying to remember. I. No, I, it's been that long. <laughs> Son of a gun. I'm trying to remember what the last con I was at was. Or was it maybe like a Kubert school? It might have been a... It might have been Free Comic Book Day. It might have been the, the, okay. the Kubies at Free Comic Book Day at Dewey's the last time. Mm. That might have been the last one. Hell, wow. hell. Yeah. yeah. Free Comic Book Day at 19. Cause was, that, was that when we recorded from Dewey's? No, I, I think we... I think it was. Wow. <laughs> Might have been son of a gun. Yeah. 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 I'm because <laughs> I'm trying to think if I did any cons in fall of nineteen. And I don't think I did. I, I know I, I did. I went to New York. And I didn't. That was it, that in the East Coast. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I tell you what, in the fall of nineteen, I mean this is you know, before there was any kind of hint 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, at the hospital, we did have a few things here and there, like murmurs that you know something was going on. But I mean, I was starting to rack up overtime because I was excited about Baltimore. Yeah. Oh <laughs> God, yeah, that's right. We were supposed to go to Baltimore it's last like, year. I'm gonna buy my giant size one, and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I was thinking. All right, th- this is where I'm gonna get. Like you know, I'm gonna find. This will be the time I drop the most I've ever dropped on a single sketch because I'm going to find somebody, you know, I know Matt Wagner usually does these and yeah. somebody like that. And I'm just going to, you know, be like, here, 200 bucks, give me something real cool. <laughs> I mean, as I said, I, shortly before the recording, I handed Rob a small stack of, you know, his beloved preachy treats preachy that I have treats. been sitting on <laughs> that I bought at a dirt mall in late 2019. And it was like, oh, I'll give these to Rob, you know, the next time I see him. And I did. And I did. <laughs> oh, Jubilee and peer pressure. Ah. Uh, Spider-Man and bullying. Ah, the treats that preach. Yes. <laughs> Spider-Man often fights bullying. I guess, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. It's, it, it's in his backstory. He fights them with his quips. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. But, um... Yeah, I don't have a plan for this episode, guys. We're just we're just hanging out. This yeah. is gonna be an hour of bullshit. And I'll tell you what, I'm not I'll tell you why I'm not worried about it, because I look at our analytics. <laughs> People like the hangout episodes. <laughs> we have a good time. Yeah. So there it is. <laughs> so ask us what we've been reading. Uh, uh, shit. Uh, books. Uh, uh, I don't uh, prepare for this. I'm not in my house. Um, I can't look around at my own shelves. Uh, <laughs> crap. <laughs> Sequential artistic Fiction with pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> things. Things with the stuff. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Every one of our guests. I love it. <laughs> That's the gotcha question. <laughs> really? <laughs> and, you know, you you think going in that you're going to have something clever to say. You, you think... You'd prepare for that one. Nobody ever prepares for that one. Yeah, yeah, and, th- and that's it. Like, like we ask about, like, oh, you know, what's what's the origin of this book, or you know, why did you make this choice with this this character, you know? But no, what are you reading? Uh, it's the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects it. <laughs> Nobody asks me what I've been reading, what I've been watching, what I've been eating, what I've been drinking. <laughs> uh, the rest of the the work can be easily explained. The rest of life is a blur. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Rob, what are you reading? <laughs> well, now that you asked, um, I guess I'll start out with, you know, doing the shop talk. Uh, yeah. I tell you, Mr. Ram V is having a hell of a year. Yeah, he is. Uh, best thing I've read this year, I, hands down, no burying the leaves swamp thing, is phenomenal. As, you know, an old school fan of, you know, the, the rights and ween days to more in total than, it's amazing stuff. It's back to the the good old psychedelic heart, you know, sophisticated suspense. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he just got announced. He's co-writing Venom with uh, Al Ewing, which I like. Yeah, I like. Here's the thing about Venom, and I've been actually thinking about Venom. I mean, how often is it that you, you say you do that? Now? <laughs> but it, it's 2021, and Venom. I mean, he's never really been like a critical darling. I mean, you know the call comic and Tallahassee are never going to be like oh yeah yeah um this is a character I mean that really you know came from one set of mythology Spider-Man and being you know completely tied to that to now having his own I mean to the part where everything Spider-Man I mean it's, it, I don't want to say it's divorced from it but it's so ancillary and so distant 
I don't want to compare it to like Deadpool, who's very much another similar character that's mm-hmm. never a critical darling, but you look where Deadpool is now compared to where he was, say, in the early 90s, where he's kind of like come out on his own with his own mythos. Part of it is the movie, which, mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it, 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 it was a fun movie. I'm yes. not going to say it was a great one. Yeah. Very 90s. I, I, and I think you could either say that to, you know, speaks to how entertaining it was or its detriment, but it's very much of like the mid 90s. I mean, the the trailers for the sequel, I mean, this looks like. Oh, oh, Woody. Woody Harrelson. I, it should be on be carnage. <laughs> oh, this is Woody Harrelson looking around that cell, looking at the bunk, picking it up. He's like, ah, 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 just chewing that scene. I mean, plus, I mean, you've got Andy Serkis directing. I mean, that man's got a couple warps in his record, as Stephen King used to say. <laughs> I, but anyway, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting take on this character. I mean, just seeing what Ram has been doing with Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I not too long ago finally read uh, The Savage Shores, and holy crap, that is a phenomenal freaking comic. Mm-hmm. And the man is a storyteller. I mean, there's comic writers, this man is a storyteller, which is another class. Yeah. And I mean, and it's interesting that how diverse his, I mean, Catwoman feels like a completely different book than Swamp Thing, than uh, The Savage Shores, than uh, Many Deaths of Layla Star. These are all very different comics, but they still are all fascinating comics, and that's impressive. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting where he places his protagonists. You know, they're either into this, you know, this new world or this this, this changing world that. They did not expect, I and mean, you definitely see that. I don't want to spoil Layla Star because I think that's a book that a lot of people need to discover. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the, the other props, I mean, I've just started reading Layla Star. I just read the first issue. I've not read the second. I gotta say, probably my favorite joke, like on-panel joke of the year, was in that. You know, you have this, you know, the, the hierarchy of gods, and it's, you know, they're basically portrayed as, you know, bureaucratic stooges. And <laughs> death is basically being made redundant. Being told, you know, pack your shit and get out. <laughs> and she goes on the tirade about, you know, how, you know, I am immortal and, you know, I am, I am inevitable and everything like this. I bet taxes still has a nice little cushy. Uh, tax. <laughs> it took me a second. Like, I had to reread that. And it's like, oh, I see. It's <laughs> yeah. Well played. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. And, like, you know, him, and he came up in this right alongside like Dan Waters and Alex Pack and Del Ryan O'Sullivan and it's just been great to watch all of them kind of go on to do deeper and more interesting things as time has gone on I need to say I don't think I've said this on the show if you slept on Waters Lucifer go back especially what is sad is the final volume of Lucifer was killed by the pandemic and they finally released it just as an OGN with the last six issues would have been and that is a book where each six issue chunk got better as it went and that last volume is phenomenal and has some really interesting theological stuff that I 
pointed out to our fellow comics XF's uh, writer Robert Secundus, I think something he will find interesting huh. about the idea that God ne- needs the devil to exist as, as their poles, and with if one is gone, the other goes with it. It's a it was a really cool, interesting story, and the the art by whichever of the Fiamara brothers I can't recall which one does I think it's Max okay. is gorgeous throughout. So they're like Batman and the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matt, how about you? Any uh, books you want to bring up Ooh. of the moment? Oh, look at that. He's got a list. Well, I'm, I'm just going through my list of what I'm... <laughs> I, I keep my list that I regularly update at my, my shop on a Google Doc. So it's like, let me just bring up that Google Doc. Um, I... Uh, just, I think again. I think we've talked about it before, but the other history of the DC universe it's is stuff. really interesting, really deep. The Montoya issue was excellent. It was. I mean, I'm a sucker for Renee Montoya to begin with. Uh, I mean, and I know there are going to be, you know, people who like well, this doesn't line up with continuity. Eh. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I take this as its own thing, and you just sort of have to shrug at the continuity of it. Um, speaking, uh, as I think about it, of characters and creators of color, the one shot that relaunched Milestone mm-hmm. was excellent. Uh, okay. It was real good. And I haven't read a ton of the original Milestone. So I'm not sure how close or how far it's hewing to that. Mm -hmm. But each of these concepts is fascinating. And the fact that as opposed to the, the Big Bang, the event that sort of launches metas in Dakota, if it's the original launch was anything akin to what was on the Static Shock TV show back in the day... It was that that was a battle between two street gangs. Now it's the police firing an untested chemical agent at BLM protesters. Mm. It is very much of the time, and very interesting to see. I mean, the only—I don't even—it's not a complaint. The only thing I could say about it is you just wish Dwayne McDuffie was still with us mm. to yeah. have taken part in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, one book that I don't think has gotten anywhere near as much oomph as it should have. Uh, the Good Asian oh, image yeah. uh, from a great noir. Uh, I mean, it's just a really solid noir out of you know set in you know in California in the noir period. It's. I'm looking forward to the second issue of that this week or next week. I know it's it's coming up. Soon. It's, it's it's this coming week. It is as we're recording. Yes, as we're recording. <laughs> by the time you hear it, it will have come out because that's how time works. Yes. <laughs> um, the first issue of Basilisk, new Cullen Bunn horror book mm-hmm. out of Boom. Uh, solid. I, I you know I I like Cullen Bunn horror in general. Some of it, some of it is better than others. None of it is ever bad, but some of it is kind of by the numbers, and some of it is big and wild, like 
things like the Sixth Gun and Harrow County. This seems like a really more in line with the sort of action horror that, you know, there's someone whose town was wiped out by these, either bat, I mean, I guess they're basilisk human in human form, like, you know, don't look in their eyes, don't look, don't look in their eyes. And now the rest of her town was wiped out. Now she's hunting them down. And she's found the one that's abandoned the others who's now willing to help her wipe out the rest of them. It's like, okay. It's not, you know, going to be this, you know, sort of Harrow County meditation. It's just going to be fun horror action for five issues. And I'm, I'm good with that. You know, we call him, but I'm always curious what, like, semi-obscure horror franchise he's going to, like, resurrect. You know, like, subspecies and Pumpkinhead. I mean... It's going to do, like, the Spookies or Hobgoblins. <laughs> I mean, Boom has been hitting it out of the park with a lot of their horror. And, I, was, I mean, we were talking about Layla Star. Yeah. Um, Something is Killing the Children is still phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Proctor Valley Road might be the single most lucid thing that Grant Morrison has written in <laughs> a very long time. And I say that loving Grant Morrison's bizarre, trippy stuff. Well, you know, Grant is co-writing that yes. with uh, Alex Child, so it's quite possible that that Child is a is a calming influence. That is distinctly possible. I mean, because it just it seems like it's a pretty straightforward narrative. Uh, Spectre and Spectres also out of dark out of dark out of boom is a lot of fun, and not that it's hard, but it's fantasy orcs. And you have to say it like that because it's got the exclamation point in the title. Orcs! If you're a fantasy person and you haven't given that a shot, it's you know just a bunch of orcs on a... Big dumb orcs having big dumb orc adventures. <laughs> Ton of fun. Yeah, have you checked out Orphan and the Five Beasts? Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh that is... It, it's Stoko. I mean, Stoko's a mad genius. Yes. It's, 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 it's this weird mesh of, you know, the, the dynamics of, of manga, you know, with the... the hyper I don't want to say realism but the detail of maybe like some of the European comics or like Jeff Darrow yes has his own little twisted sense of humor in it and it's great stuff oh it absolutely is oh and one final thing because I just finally got to sit down and read it last weekend because I'd been waiting until I would have enough time to sit and read it all in one sitting Friend of the Devil Second Reckless Book ah yes excellent uh, and I like the first one I think this one's better but I mean, it's it's Brubaker and Phillips. You know, everyone who listens to this podcast with any regularity knows I am a, an easy, easy, easy mark for Brubaker and Phillips. And this was just excellent book. Now you, Dan. What yes, you? yes, it's me. All right. Shit, what have I been reading? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll take the, the easy way out and then I'll plug um, Homesick Pilots like I usually do on the show. That's that's definitely been my favorite read this year. Um, I also uh, started The Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, which comes out this week. It'll be in the past. Uh, I'm going to be doing uh, sort of a tag team review with uh, Will Nevin and Zach Jenkins over at the uh, the Comics XF uh, for that. Uh, Kyle Starks, Chris Schweitzer, always a good time. Uh, by the time this comes out, you'll have heard them on the show. That was probably one of our funnest interviews that we've done recently. Uh, no doubt. Barely had to talk. Uh, it was great. <laughs> Always the best. <laughs> um, let's see. I, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to get through the indie stuff before we get into uh, the most obvious thing. But uh, I, I would say those are my two, big two books of the moment. 
uh, still reading Undone by Blood or The Other Side of Eden uh, from Zach and Lonnie and uh, Sammy Cavella and Jason Wardy and Hassan. That's a good time. Uh, yeah, I would say those are those are sort of the big ones for me uh, indie-wise right now. And Department of Truth. That's 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 a banger. And, you know, it's funny, this, this most recent issue, which, you know... It, it's very much an X-Files thing, right? You know, it's got this this darker mythology that permeates every issue. The larger sort of mysteries about the woman in red and, and you know, the whole idea of, of truth being malleable depending on collective belief and the star-eyed man, all this great stuff. And I'm reading this issue and, and it's a great example of, of how it weaves a larger narrative and, and the way Martin Simmons, uh, you know, makes two characters walking into a, a compelling scene uh, even with exposition and back of my head I'm just like where's Bigfoot let's do Big Bigfoot they're doing a two part Bigfoot story and I'm just like fucking yes it's my favorite monster truck yep. no um... <laughs> making conspiracy theories fun again <laughs> Try not to think about it too hard. Yeah, no, that's that's what we. It's a, but yeah, and, and that's the thing, right? Like, so there's two books this year where that's been the focus. The thing about making conspiracies, uh, I guess, not fun in Department right. of Truth's case, but you know, there's that. And then there was Martian Ghost Centaur by oh, uh, so friend of the show good. Matt Haggerty. So you know, I'm, I'm all about the cryptids this year. <laughs> um, oh crap! Sorry. Yeah. I just remembered one other thing before we Do get it. to the next thing. Do it. Uh, I just finished the second volume of Chad Sell's Cardboard Kingdom. Chad, who's been on the show, uh, all ages book, absolutely wonderful. Uh, as good, if not better, than volume one. Uh, if you have, Chad, that was on, he was on the show quite a bit ago. Yes. So if you have, it's about a group of kids who live in a neighborhood who build, you know, their own costumes out of cardboard. It's just, it's, it's about imagination. And the second volume is set around Halloween, and it's it has a lot. I won't say it's more serious, but there's some serious discussions about anxiety and you know fear, and but also about friendship. And it's just it's about imagination. It's fun and it's well, beautifully drawn and well written. And if it very inclusive of all, you know gender, race, etc. If you want to go out and get a good all ages book that hasn't gotten as much press as some of the, you know, the, not to, not no slight towards your, your Randy Telgemeiers or your Dow Pilkies, but something that if your kid has already sort of made it through all of that and wants something else, uh, Chad Sells Cardboard Kingdoms volumes one and two are both well worth your time. I got a wedge in here. Do one, it. One wedge. more that I should have listed, actually. Yes. Yeah, at the very beginning. Um, the Nice House on the Lake. Oh. <laughs> and believe me, I'm, I'm going to try very carefully here. There's going to be no spoilers. You know, because I think this is another book. As always, I like it when people go out and discover things on their own. But here's a nice little nudge. You've read it. I, I read it this morning. You know, it was the damnedest thing, you know, trying to get into it and figure out exactly where they're going with this at first like what is this like the millennial version of like the big chill getting everybody together you know <laughs> mm -hmm. into this place like what is this connection with everybody and then it's sort of like okay kind of like the canterbury tales where everybody is kind of listed by like a profession like you've got the comedian or you have the writer or you have the artist 
and why are they all being assembled here? And just when you start to get that notion of you know familiarity and geography and everything like this and comfort, bam! Oh, yeah, they just annihilates you. Right. And I was, I, I thought there was a different twist that might be coming, and I was like, nope, nope. That's not how I saw that one <laughs> Actually, working the, out. The twist, the same twist I'm thinking of is why I mentioned the big chill, and that's why I thought maybe they were being assembled mm. after after a fact. And it turns out, yeah, no, no, this is completely no. not that. <laughs> I James Tinian, man, the the horror stuff he does is just all fascinating. The foreshadow when you read it and you do need to read it the second time i mean the foreshadowing i mean it's right there mm-hmm. a certain discussion early on yeah and just you know how almost casually it, it just it, shit happens yeah yeah shit goes down yeah that that's a series that i'm, I'm really excited to see unfold it's and it's fascinating that it's coming out from DC. I mean, good on DC yeah. for doing something yeah. in Black Label that isn't, you know, just more superhero. Here's an interesting thing. I mean, I know the Black Label was was kind of meant to sort of supplement the Vertigo line. It doesn't even feel like a Vertigo book. I mean, this feels like something that could have been done by like a Boom or even like an Image, like something you know very creator owned. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely them. DC is clearly invested at this point in keeping Tynan happy so that he doesn't wander off and bring these ideas to Boom or Image or any of the other publishers where he's certainly more than welcome. Yeah, I think they've seen that, oh, wow, Department of Truth, that really took off. Oh, something is killing the children. Wind, which is not at all horror. And is yeah. the, but the, everything he's doing for, the, for these other publishers that's creator-owned is gold. So it's like, okay, maybe we need to get in on the... James Tinian not just writing Batman boat. Hey, if they're keeping the leash off of them, I mean, good for them. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's a W for them. Yeah. Absolutely. I think they're investing in him the way that they've invested in the past in, like, a Bendis or a Tom King or, yeah. uh, unfortunately, Jeff Johns. Um, Maybe, you know, even Ram V, too, you know. Yeah, yeah. I see Marvel yeah. kind of getting in and all that, you mm-hmm. know. I'd love to see DC offer Ram V a similar thing to that they're offering Tinian here. Let him have, you know, do his next Layla Star or the Savage Shores through Black Label. I, I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't slap the franchise tag on, on Rom, and that's why he's co-writing Venom now. Yeah. But I, I think we're going to be all the richer for it. Um, a couple other Marvel books that I wanted to add before we move on. Um, Beta Ray Bill by Daniel was, Warren Johnson. I was waiting for you to... to oh, that, that book is just goddamn fun. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It, I, I'd forgotten how much I missed Pip the Troll, the, the one member of the you know old school Starlin squad who hasn't been popping up everywhere. I mean, yeah, Adam is still out there and kind of written off, but come on, Al Ewing, you know, you, you, you know what kind of stories you write. You know, existential space Hamlet. Come on, you know you want to write that. Uh, you got to give him a minute. Let him clear some other things off his plate. Oh yeah, the, that is a big team right now. Yeah, it's a very big team. 
let him, let him wrap him over to Hulk, and then, you know, he can do his 50-issue Adam Warlock uh, statement. Please. <laughs> um, and then I uh, also started, uh, there's only one issue out of this, but uh, Fantastic Four Life Story, uh, Mark mm. Russell and um, Sean, Sean Isaacs? Yeah, I think it's Sean Isaacs uh, on art. That one's interesting. I, I, I definitely want to get a couple more issues into that before I issue full verdict. Um, it's it's definitely it's it's different than at least to start what Sadarsky uh, and Bagley did with Spider-Man Life Story, but that's also a good thing. So otherwise, you're just running a, a you know a, a post colon <laughs> right into the ground. But uh, you'd wonder what other franchises within Marvel that might work for. Because I don't think it works for everything. I, I you, you can't do an X-Men life story at this point just because it's way too saturated. And also, I, I hate to say this, but I think it would make even more obvious the problems with the mutant metaphor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think Cap, Cap would be interesting. How would you do it, though? Well, that would be the thing you... He's missing for decades. And those decades get like longer with each passing year. Right. I mean, because I think, well, th- there, there might be some, that you know, again, he's frozen in the 40s. Then you have him come back in the 60s. So there's just the, uh, you know, 20-ish year gap. The mm. first issue is 1940, 1930-something to 1945. And then it picks frozen. up in 1964. Right. And then it's from there with him because that's the trick with Cap now that I'm saying it out loud it's like he has dealt with a lot of the politics he hasn't aged with it but also he doesn't age necessarily so I guess Cap doesn't work well now you've actually convinced me that it does work and you could actually play it so that he does age even with the super soldier serum Mm. you know kind of like the way they did they've done it in the MCU with both Cap and with uh, Isaiah Bradley true true Iron Man would be interesting the Hulk Actually, I mean, you know, this mm. is you know almost explicitly a product of the atomic age and forget my age, I guess. <laughs> to the Cold War, at least. Tony would be interesting because you could play with the evolution of technology over the years. I was I was talking about this recently on Twitter. Like when Tony was introduced, he was obsessed with transistors. Like that was the height of technology because, of course, Stan and Jack didn't know what the fuck a transistor sure. does. <laughs> well, thing about Tony is, I mean, he's always prided himself on being one step ahead of mm-hmm. whatever is going on. It would be fascinating that if you got to a certain point around the 90s where he's suddenly one step behind. That's true. That, you know, he doesn't... That somebody comes to Tony Stark with something and he brushes them off and it turns out to be, okay, so I guess the whole world really did need that whole internet thing. (laughs) You know, another one, I mean, it would kind of be tricky, you know, with the sliding scale and, you know, you'd have to get into the whole... uh, Serum to you know de-age or um, but like Natasha, like the Black Widow. I mean, coming from the Cold War mm. to the era of Glasnost and the fall of the Iron Curtain, and how maybe you know mm. that would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, and the resurgence in the last few years of that feeling of the good old days of the KGB. Yeah, <laughs> our buddy Putin. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, uh, Black Panther. Yeah, really dealing with all of the things that have and haven't changed with the way the West interacts with Africa. Yeah, that, that could be one. I wonder, though, 
you would need a writer who's steeped in African politics for that. That is true. I mean, it, it, they've already kind of dealt with Don McGregor, I know, kind of like really made his bones on, on Black Panther mm-hmm. over the years and told some great apartheid themed stories. Like there was the Marvel Comics Presents, there was like that, that long, that like lengthy story that yeah. he did where he was trying to find his mother. I mean, that was really great for its time. I mean, I wouldn't put him on a book like that now, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like if you did it, but like, like Sam Wilson or somebody like mm. that. That could be or Luke Ooh, Luke Cage. Cage? Oh, story. that would be that would be interesting. Yeah, but I think we're forgetting the most important character that should be done with Speedball. <laughs> <laughs> Speedball oh. life story. <laughs> you New know Warriors the... life story. <laughs> you know, you could do that from an interesting kind of meta lens of you know a time you know the late 80s you know when comics were starting to become hot and then you had the speculator age and then the, the ed, you know the age of the edgy angsty hero you you would have to make it meta right because like all right so the new warriors a bunch of them were these aborted attempts at creating new peter parkers yeah. right like nova yep. and speedball and, and and then you know they're part of that sort of 90s wave of of edgier heroes so you get night thrasher on a skateboard yeah. um you know, and then, I mean, this is what Civil War did. They turned them into, like, reality TV. Yeah, there is a way where this works, where it's, like, a crude meta-commentary. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily, you know, the life story doesn't have to begin with, you know. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, no, no, Silver not at all. Age, you know, it's, I think you could probably do something more interesting from a Bronze Age jumping off point. Have we seen Firestar on Krakoa? Uh, good question. Part of me thinks that she was mentioned maybe somewhere. Probably. She was... I, 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 all right, there was that handbook that they did. Um, and they had the mm. list of everybody... Even though there's no, technically no X-Men until yeah. now right. with, with the gala. You know, she was, I believe, listed in mm. the active roster. Yeah, because she was on the... Uh, I think that... And that's a holdover from when she was on that Jason Aaron amazing uh, mm-hmm. volume. Because... Justice is too busy working for the U.S. government and imprisoning teen heroes over in Champions. Oh, is that what he's up to? Yeah, he was he was working for Cradle. Okay, that's a choice. Yeah, that's a character that it just kind of feels like nobody nobody really likes Van Sastro. They just keep <laughs> screwing that poor kid over. What was the, I mean? When was the last time anybody actually gave him some TLC? Kurt Busiek in the late '90s when he put him in Firestar on the Avengers. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's the fr- he's a mutant. He could go to Krakoa if he wanted, but nobody cares. Yeah, nobody would know what to do with him. He'd just stand in the background of the Green Lagoon. I was a new warrior. <laughs> but that's the thing; like nobody would care, right? Like you'd find him in a paddle, and, and people would just be like, "Well, where are the Academy X kids?" <laughs> and you know what? Fair. Oh yeah, <laughs> he, he, he'd be going up to you know. Jimmy Proudstar or, you know, the Hellions who knew Angelica when she was a Hellion. Okay, And yeah. be like, hey, I dated Angelica for a while. Yeah. Who, who are you? <laughs> yeah. We, t- we teamed up in Child's Play. Remember Child's Play? <laughs> and and here's, here's my last candidate for it, and this yeah. is something I do not have my heart behind, but just I'm going to throw this out here for discussion. First, got to ask, are we pretty much done with the Punisher at this point? There's not a Punisher series right no. now. No. Like, after Rosenberg's... I, I'm just saying, I'm just ended, saying right? generally, I mean, is this a character that's just... I, 
better off in limbo at this point. I, you know, the co-opting of his symbol yeah. has been uncomfortable, and it's not that you can. T- you can't it's take like, that away from him. You can tell a good Punisher story now. It's just, you know... I mean, you could probably t- tell a fantastic life story about this. You know, the gritty reality of, like, 70s New York. The, the, that vigilante culture. You know, the, the whole Charles Bronson, Death Wish... First Blood. ...craze that, you know, you saw on the set with Bernie Getz. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting, because Ennis do, did a little bit of that with his run, because he aged Castle up. He mm-hmm. treated him as an older man. Maybe not as old as he probably should have been at that point, because yeah. if he was a Vietnam vet in the year, whatever, 2000, I guess he would have been around in his he 50s. He would have been in his 50s or so, like, yeah. Yeah, pushing 60. Have they changed that? Uh, you know, I don't remember. From the Marvel oh, yeah. history that Mark Wade did, did they change it to, was it Sand Call? Uh, yes, they did. The same thing that Rhodey and Forge were? Yes, okay. the yeah. same, all in the same... Yeah. Made up war. Can't wait till they uh, make a fake Afghanistan, as if DC oh. hadn't already done that. Oh, DC's done that. You know the number of <laughs> fake Middle Eastern countries in the DC universe. Yeah, just made by adding a K to an existing country. A Q. A Q. Excuse me. Yes, Thank you. it's Quarak with a Q. <laughs> I mean, because you got there, there's literally like a triangle. It's Quarak, Kyran, Kyran. Well, and then you you get yeah. into the ones that actually have some you know meat behind them. Bialya and Kandak are oh. all sort of right there. It's like oh oh DC, DC loves its fi- fiction. It, it fictionalizes its geography a lot more than Marvel does. Right. I mean, although Marvel Marvel likes to add full on fictional countries, it, it's just shoving the, it just shoves them into the map, right? I yeah. Mean, Lotvarius and Caria. Yeah. Uh, Wakanda. Wakanda. Oh, Wakanda, of course. Yeah. Genosha. Genosha. Yeah. Krakoa. At least Genosha's in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, that one, like, <laughs> you could still stumble across Genosha someday. Yeah, but it's like it's like off to the right of Madagascar or something like that. Yeah, I think. Is yeah. it still considered technically African? Though? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is definitely an African nation. Yeah. D- despite it being populated pretty much exclusively by white folk. Oh, now zombies. And now zombies. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of zombies. Yes. Oh, man. But, um,. Yeah, so uh, let's let's let, let's get into my last pick here. How are we liking the Hellfire Gala so far? <laughs> We're only one weekend, but um, I, I, you know we, we've Dan and I have discussed this at length off, but we're gonna go. Hellions was just the, the, the crashing. That's the reddest issue. Oh, let's be honest. Yes, <laughs> there will nothing. I don't think there will be a panel that will make me laugh harder. Then Nanny breaking a bottle, lunging at Sinister. Judgment Day, motherfucker! <laughs> she had all the best scenes. Oh. Like, she dumped liquor into a hole in the head of her egg. <laughs> not into the lips. Yeah. No. Which, I, I, yeah, they're not real. It's an exoskeleton, but still. I mean, that's a... I said this to Matt earlier. It's like that argument about whether the cars and cars should have their eyes on the on like the windshield or on the headlights. <laughs> I think you know, it, it, just like any kind of crossover that you do. I don't know if we can really consider this a crossover or anything like that. But when you see characters that don't normally bounce off of each other, bounce off of each other. I think yeah. it's a lot of fun. Or when you see like a lot of characters maybe haven't seen each other for a while. I, I mentioned earlier, you know, it's one panel, but you know, seeing. Uh, Mac, Guardian, uh-huh. they're kind of lounging and hanging out with North Star and Kyle and, you know, just dropping, you know, like, ah, oh, how you doing? Yeah, these, this whole uh, cape business or wearing the suits, that's hell on your marriage. 
And then you know, Kyle's like, oh, well, how's Heather? He just told you! <laughs> That's a nice little bit. And, and poor, poor Alex Summers in his cries for clarity to every member of the Quiet Council who I, will not that, listen. Uh, here's, I'm going to go on a little thing. I Do think it. He's keeping hope alive and he's keeping Maddie fresh in our memory for Inferno, which is coming up. There's th- th- That's not a coincidence. I mean, it might be a tease, too. It's, it's, well, I don't know. It sounds like the Inferno is more about, you know, Mystique burning down Krakoa because she can't have her wife back. But I think it could also be her recruiting various mutants who have been screwed over by the protocol. Her, her, yeah, her goals and, and Alex's are one and the same. They, should, mm. they just want their lovers back. And I would not be surprised if Gabby eats it before that oh that would and break my heart that that could get because i mean they've that's been foreshadowed in new mutants and then they, they uh specifically mentioned blind spot mm-hmm. recently in, in, way, in way of, of x, x and yeah so we know uh, again i think these little things they're not coincidental and it's not like a little bit of the writer but it's to plant that you know it's it, 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 check off's grave site yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, I, this will be played again later Right, I think we're gonna. I think Mystique will have allies who feel like they are not being respected by the Quiet Council and by the way Krakoa is being run. You know, I think the other interesting thing about the gala and some of the other going ons, it kind of really proves to me this really sad reality. I mean, as great as this whole like new Age of X thing has been, and then this world building with Krakoa and seeing his government and society build, Krakoa has already failed. You see the corruption up at the top. You know, you have this, this silent three-way partnership between Eric and Charles and Moira, yep. who's just, you know, lounging in her, what is it, her no-room? Away from everybody. And you see the machinations of, like, what's going on with Beast. Yeah. Oh, Beast, too. I mean, this yeah. anyone who compares themselves to God in their own journal, this is someone you do not trust. I mean, he went from being a, t- a tinkerer to a tinkering fascist at this point. And, yeah, and it's terrifying. And you have to wonder, is this our beast? <laughs> I mean, this is a strong indicator that Dark Beast was always just one or two bad decisions away, and Hank has now made those bad decisions. It's almost like, you know, Irene is playing the long game, and she foresaw (laughs) this all along. And Mm -hmm. when she's telling Raven to burn this down, it's not necessarily because they won't bring me back. No, you need to burn this thing down because it's not going to end well. Just, you know, all the different factions that you have. I mean, Sinister is back to doing his Sinister shit in his little corner. He never stopped, though. Yeah, Yeah, you have this also, this, I don't want to say growing this trust, but you see with the other teams, like especially like with Northstar, like when he corresponds with the New Mutants, and it's basically like, I'm going to basically defy the council and... Danny, you know, Palmer are completely on board with it. Like, that's okay. You know, if we're doing it for the right reason. Everybody's playing their own little games. Every, You know, we're hiding this from mom and dad. We're doing our own thing because we don't trust them. I mean, I don't think anyone... I mean, I think the most altruistic person involved in this whole thing is Emma. And that's... 
Some, that's saying and something. Even Apocalypse, to a degree, yeah. I think, had a sort of purity. I mean, he really believed in Krakoa. And... Yeah, I mean, <sighs> Charles and Eric believe in Krakoa in so much as they believe that this is their vision is the right thing. Not, you know, no one... I think if anybody came at them with a strong alternative within the Krakoan structure, they would stamp it down because it's not what... They, they believe that they are in charge and they will always be in charge. So there's really no point of this quiet council because it's... Well, note, note the fact that they haven't replaced the two people who left the council since Ten of Swords. Yeah. They never replaced Gene or Apocalypse. And, by the way, it's also always something that strikes me as very suspicious anytime you have a governing body like that that has an even number of people. There's no easy way to break a tie, which means that... Well, doesn't that Krakoa get a vote? I don't... Does it? Or does technically it... Doug and Krakoa are part of the council. As, like, alternates, or, like, I... Doug speaks for Krakoa. I so... suppose... But we've never seen Krakoa vote. That is true. We've seen Krakoa try to exert its will and be denied. Right. Morning, you know, yeah. And, that, yeah. and I always thought that was going to be setting up for some kind of repercussion. Oh, power. yeah. I, I don't think... I think Krakoa definitely has... There are going to be issues with the island itself at some point in the probably not-too-distant future. But, yeah, I mean, I think we don't all know bad shit is going to go down. It's just how many bits of bad shit are going to hit the fan at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be it's going to be factions that are going to be coming at each other. We're going to make, like, the old days. We're going to see maybe a brotherhood and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe reformation of some of the old powers. I mean, they're kind of spread out, kind of like thoughtfully in the book. I mean, you've got a marauder, you know, an ex-marauder here, an ex- Hellion here in books that were not part of their namesake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you've got Scott just trying to reassemble the X-Men and be a hero. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, it's, I don't know who would fall on what side anymore. Well, all the old... The reason... They've been able to repurpose sort of these names that have history, like Marauders and Hellions and, and hell, even Inferno, and is because, is. yeah, and Paul. Uh, well, you know, just give us the damn lobster. Can't all be singers. <laughs> uh, you know, is because all those old allegiances and alliances have fallen away. You know what I mean? Like, I can't see the Acolytes getting back together because this current environment isn't really conducive to Magneto having a, a band of zealots. You know, as much as Exodus now tells campfire tales to scare children now. Oh, Exodus. Um, yeah. And what happens when, when and if Krakoa falls? It will. Because <laughs> at this point, the, the universe at large, as was seen in <laughs> Marauders, views Krakoa as Earth's spokespeople. They're running sword. They're involved in the Snark War. They are the ones that Shi'ar is talking to. I mean, 
Earth, I think, in the past has not been a prime target because it was always the Avengers who were fighting the Creed and the Skrull and all of this. Mm-hmm. But now that the Avengers, Avengers have been sort of shuffled off the side by Krakoa, and they're the ones that the universe is looking at. And also having uninteresting adventures, uh, adventures in a book that, you know... <laughs> yeah. And, and plus you have a moment where you, know, you have a Shira representative come up and congratulate yeah. them on conquering <laughs> Earth. <laughs> <laughs> a nice Ooh, little moment. Have <laughs> a shit ton of logic diamonds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, does at that point somebody out there decide, oh, it looks like Earth is finally ripe for the picking. <laughs> guess the Avengers are too busy fighting tournaments for the Phoenix Force and going into alternate universes where they're basically being like, hey, we're doing a DC story. <laughs> where, we, where they try to make the Squash and Suprema thing again. You know, they're, they're better than the humans, but only by about two, you know, two or three degrees. Let's be fair. That's um, unless the, this might be blasphemy, but you know, unless the five bring back the great Mark Grunewald, I don't know if the Squatch and Supreme will ever be a thing again. No, <laughs> no, they, you know, JMS tried and that didn't work, yeah. and yeah, but now Aaron's trying. You know, yeah. one, one, one more point that I want to bring up, you know, speaking to like the rot of Krakoa, and this is probably a good way to put it, is uh, something you see in the way of X is especially the attitude of the youth that are starting to come up with their own slang and things like that you know I, what's the term that they use that oh i yeah yeah that's so crackers something yeah. but just how they treat death i mean pixie gets her fucking head blown off as a joke mm. and they think it's funny they think the crucible is funny yeah, and Kurt in was it X Force? He's walking. He's loaded. It was it was aliens? He's loaded out of his mind five minutes into the gala, and, and that's the thing, right? So like Way of X, which by the way, definitely one of the best new additions to to the mix, uh, if not the best one. You know, it takes that line that Kurt said in X Men number seven, like I'm thinking about starting a mutant religion, and it shows, you know, it's kind of bullshit. Right, it, like that whole book exists to point out the flaws in Krakoa via uh, a wonderful man with a thick gray beard and mushrooms growing out of his head. And, oh. and you know that Doctor Nemesis is just sitting there, and he is gonna be Nero. He doesn't care. He's just gonna watch it all happen. He's just gonna fiddle while it burns. He's not gonna bring it down, but he's like, "This is a, fa- a fascinating experiment." That's why when you know that the second, second issue of Way of X, like, oh, they've been modeling the destruction of Krakoa. Yeah. That diagnosis was that kind of shit fascinating. And he's so long lived, he'll just move on to the next interesting thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm still waiting. It's something that I, I mentioned to Dan once, and I don't, I don't remember seeing it mentioned anywhere else. But Cy Spurrier is too careful a writer to have used specifically the term over and over again in that first issue of Way of X of calling Kurt one of the kindly ones. That specific three-word phrase is, if you readers out there are familiar with Sandman, it's the title of the ninth volume of Sandman, but it is also a specific euphemism that the ancient Greeks used for the Furies. The Furies, the Arrhenius, were also called the Eumenides, the kindly ones. And Spurrier is too careful a writer. He could have used any particular turn of phrase for calling Kurt for being the nice guy on Krakoa. 
but he's specifically called one of the kindly ones. And I mean, that might have had to do with some of the Legion stuff, as the kindly ones were the people, the beings that were called upon to deal with the spilling of family blood. But it also, there could be something else there, but I find it, that specific turn of phrase very it suspicious. It could be tied to this, they're calling this character Lost, I guess, the one. Yes. I love that recurring gag about literally making people gag. <laughs> it's pretty wonderful. Um, yeah, Doom, dupes uh, rainbow confetti bar. <laughs> but it seems like there is a little bit of a mystery there because nobody seems to know where she came from. Mm. Oh, you must be one of the new arrivals. This is somebody we've never seen before. And I wonder where uh, Forget Me Not is. <laughs> no? <laughs> I, I think I saw on Twitter, like, he was in a panel somewhere. Oh, and sure. it was like one of those things they don't call attention to. One of the things that fascinates me, and we're going to get to get into this in a couple of weeks with one of our guests, but apparently uh, Bob Quinn, who draws Way of X, created a character hasn't actually like given her dialogue or lines or anything just working her into panels in in way of x and her her co-mutant name is soft serve uh and she can produce uh ice cream um mm. from her butt and so you will see panels of somebody offering a cone of ice cream to 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 people on Krakoa and then politely declining you know, many, many years ago, back when I was working at the comic book store, we had a discussion about what could be, conceptually, the worst superpower you could have that was not actively harmful to others. Okay. Like, obviously, like, rogue's power mm -hmm. or uncontrolled or cyclops, like that he can't get... Those are terrible powers. But what is a power that you could have that is not actively harmful, but is just completely useless and terrible? That might be the new winner. <laughs> There's Blob. Yeah. I mean, I had conceived that the, the worst, the, the most useless superpower you could possibly have was the precognitive ability to tell exactly what your next meal would be. No matter how you, and then once you knew what your next meal would be, no matter how you tried to avoid it, somehow that would be your next meal. You knew it was going to be meatloaf. Like, God, I don't want meatloaf. You know what? I'll stop on my way home. I'll stop at McDonald's. And all they have left is their new McMeatloaf. That would be... And then, the one day when you go to precognitively tell what your next meal is going to be, and you don't know what it is, it's like, well, shit. <laughs> that, or... I think that the... The power that we decided, just because I'm now on a tangent and think about it, the the power that we decided was useful in that could be useful but had the least practical applications that you could have in a normal moment was Holden Carver from Ed, Ray, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips Sleeper mm -hmm. who has the ability every time his body would take damage it immediately or depending on how long it takes it heals on its own but the next person you touch experiences that trauma Mm. So that could only be useful in very limited capabilities. Specifically, what somebody pointed out was a bouncer. You just stand there. You got a drunk. He punches you in the face, and you just tap him on the head, and he just you just hit him with the full force of his own punch into his face. You never have to actually throw a punch. But aside from that, it's like you can't, you know, 
walk into a room with gun-wielding maniacs. Yeah, they'll shoot you, and then you inadvertently brush into somebody in the, the street, and suddenly they just took all that trauma. It doesn't work for grievous bodily harm. It has to be fairly light bodily harm. Mm. No, I mean, even with Doug, to a degree. I mean, I mean, now, I mean, he's got, you know, immeasurable value as basically the proxy between Krakoa and Mutant Society, but... I thought that was one of the brilliant things with Necrotia when they brought him back and they, I don't want to say they upgraded his powers, but they reinterpreted his powers where it's not so much that he can translate any language, but he can interpret motion and intentions. Like violence itself is a language and he would be able to, you know, neutralize it just based, you know, based on that or, you know, interpret. And create a bizarre feedback loop with Cassandra Kane, who that's her whole, <laughs> whole shtick. They would just stand there and stare at each other, interpreting moves back and forth, <laughs> and would just be caught in this constant feedback loop. I, mm. I would read that book. Of course, Doug's large wife would get involved after that. <laughs> I love Doug's large wife. We, we love Doug Lord. Doug's large wife. I'm glad she showed up on the, uh, the Inferno preview image. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Mark Brooks teaser. Yeah. 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 Somebody pointed out, and I think this is interesting and in due, in fact, that Psylocke on, on that spread is positioned with the captains of Krakoa. Because there is another, there's another area where there's a vacancy. They never replaced Gorgon. True. Actually, like we know, Gorgon was resurrected after he died in another world, but they never showed what happened to him. Wasn't it implied that he's more Gorgon now? Like, well, that's, one that's of the what they said we... about Wild Child and Nanny. Yeah, but I think Gorgon had like more of a rock slide thing happen to him, like not quite fully formed. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, that I guarantee you, that's a big reveal that Hickman is holding back. Oh, sure, he's Why? Hickman's character. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. That 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 could be an Inferno beat. Mm -hmm. or maybe that's in X-Men 21 that like you know he swans into the, the Hellfire Gala wrong sometimes dead is better did we ever get a definitive reason why Warlock was hiding I mean now that he's out in the open this really makes they made that, and that was a thing it was definitely an explicitly made point that he was hiding for when he started to sell Eliana right I yeah. I think, all right, so there was probably something in the beginning where, because he's not a, a Terran mutant, you know, he, was, he wasn't he was sure he was going to be welcome on Krakoa. Um, he's not interacting well with the fauna, you know, and of mm -hmm. course there's a codependent relationship between him and Doug. Mm -hmm. But Doug gets married to Bay the Blood Moon, uh, his wonderful large wife, uh, you know, Warlock now has nowhere to go because Doug is is now in this honeymoon period, and he you know so he reveals himself to the rest of the new mutants. And they so now they all know in the sextant, and you know it's sextant. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> yeah. The Academos habitat, and uh, you know it's it's fine because it's Warlock because there are certain non mutants who are welcome. You know, uh, Kyle Northstar's husband. Uh, I assume Shatterstar. Oh yeah, I mean, Brian I think, Braddock. Well, I think it was Lorna said, "Like you're one of us. You are family. I mean, they are mutants of their own society." And you know, I mean, this this goes back, you know, <laughs> you know, back to the original New Mutant story. It was actually like, really nice when it was the team basically kind of like took it on their own to adopt Warlock, and they were using you know Xavier's tenet of you know get peaceful coexistence and you know he's basically just like us he's he's a child he's a mutant in his own society you know 
he needs to be one of us, you know, as a student and everything. And Xavier's not really sure, like, I, should I trust my students to make this decision and everything? Or, you know, do I take this being, you know, do I take his hand and everything? And I think he had that beautiful payoff, I think it was issue 50, where they see Xavier in space. Oh, my God. It, 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 the waterworks are going to start. When, <laughs> you know, after, I think they, they, they fought the Magnus. Warlock, you know, says to Xavier that, you know, even though the Magus is, you know, Self's father, Self would be honored to consider you my real father. And Xavier just says, the honor is mine and embraces him. And that's the Xavier that I want to see. And that's like <laughs> the Krakoan ideal that I want to see that we're not really no. no, no, no. We're getting Xavier as a jerk, Xavier. Yeah. Uh, and, and speaking <laughs> of, you know, letting some humans and non mutants live on Krakoa, you, the, you know, the only reason Juggernaut's not on that island is because I think Xavier still holds a grudge. I mean, Black Tom clearly, Black Tom's dreaming about Juggernaut tickling him. He wants he wants Juggernaut on that island. And if all you need is a sponsor, that would normally happen. But Xavier's just like, yeah, no. I thought that was kind of a really shitty and out-of-character thing about not letting him on because, I mean, oh, God, I'm going to cite, <laughs> oh, what's, what's his name? Uh, oh, God. Rob Liefeld? No, what was the, the greatest... Uncanny X-Men writer ever. Oh, Chuckles. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Chucky, Chucky, our buddy, our, our buddy Chucky. Chuckles. <laughs> Chuckles. Oh, uh, noted, yeah. noted animation producer Chuck Austin. It was one of the better things. The best thing he did, I think, was bringing North Star really firmly into the X camp. But, you know, when he brought Juggernaut on, it did kind of work. But there was also that delight in, like, he's enjoying being a good guy, and Xavier's like, you know what, this is good for you. I'm, I'm happy to see you, you know, doing well and being happy, and, you know, my, my, my half-brother. Yeah, it, it, but it's when yeah. it suits Charles, right? Yeah. So, like, Fabian uh, Nicieza just basically did sort of a similar thing with this five-issue Juggernaut mini where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go be a working stiff for damage control, and, you know, I befriend this new teenage, uh, you know, I think she turns out to be a mutant in the end, yeah. you know, and, and try and help reform, like, other... You know, devious supervillains, but and not Arnim Zola because fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, they have this scene there where Charles is like, "No, you can't come." Right, and it's you know within a month around the same time that X Factor number one hits, where it's like, "Oh yeah," and then and Kyle's on. So Xavier's own hypocrisy is right there. Not that I'm faulting I'm, I'm faulting Xavier for not letting Juggernaut on, not for Xavier letting. Kyle. Yes, no, that was clear. Yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> one, more, one more little seedling that I want to uh, bring up from the gala. And, you know, mind you, I'm not, like, the most very online person here, but I do keep my ear to the ground on some things, and I know about the whole controversy with Dan Slott and Franklin. <sighs> was Hickman kind of blowing some raspberries there with, or, or whoever wrote it? You see one thing about Kitty saying, oh, well, you know, things have a way of working out, Bob. Yeah, and Sinister's like, yeah, you know what? I, we, we might have some plans for you still. <laughs> is, is this basically like, you know, oh, fuck slot? No, know, that, like, that is that is Uncle yes. Jerry, the, yeah, auditioning to take over Fantastic yeah. Four. Yeah. yeah, no, I guarantee you, the panel of Mister Fantastic whispering in Xavier's ear, he doesn't he doesn't know what was said there. He just put that panel in there so he or someone else can later. Reveal that Reed was telling, reminding Xavier about the deal they struck about Franklin or something like that. That Franklin's power loss is really Reed, you know, reining him in. 
and that he made some agreement with Xavier to tell for Xavier to tell him he's not a mutant for whatever Machiavellian probably you know thing he sees as the right thing to do for his kid but is clearly Reed just being a jerk <laughs> and that it, it's them getting an out later to get Franklin his mutant power I kind of got the, the impression whatever he whispered to him was uh, basically lost in translation yeah <laughs> it's not meant for us it's never going to be revealed whatever it was it was meant solely for Charles and yeah, we'll, we'll 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 get the gist of what it was, but we'll never right. know what it is. Exactly, it, it was that was pure setup for either as as Dan said, you know, Jerry Duggan being like, hey, you know, let me get let, let me at those FF guys. Uh, I'm setting stuff up, or let me take Franklin Richards over into my book. I already got Kitty Pride. Come on, <laughs> I I, I want to write some Franklin Richards on them riding around on the Marauder. I mean, they did have plans for Franklin. I mean, from the very beginning, I know it was it was in. Not the Marvel 1000, but... One of those. Maybe 1001 or maybe Incoming. But there was the page where Sinister basically laid out that he yeah. had very specific plans for Franklin. Yeah, and that, the whole thing about... That's one of the things that, I mean, logically really falls apart. The, you know... Because Sinister didn't have his DNA. Okay, who yeah. was going to say... He was one of the ones who was like, ooh, me wanting... Mm. Yeah, so I was gonna say it's like you know Franklin convincing scanners that he's a mutant when he's not is one thing. Someone actually taking like genetic samples that are now separate from Franklin's body mass mm -hmm. and looking at them and them still reading his mutant kind is weird because reality. I mean Franklin was god powers, but still there's something about some of that stuff when Franklin isn't wouldn't be there to concentrate on the genetic and that's a whole problematic that whole thing is is a problematic mess to begin with. Really not well thought out whim on Slot's part. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was, was a bid for control, is what it was. Like if I if I say Franklin's not a mutant, then I don't have to share him with, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have to do another Fantastic Four X Men or, or you know play with Krakoa because I don't want to. Right. Yeah. I, I shuffled off Artie and Leech yeah. immediately, and you're kind of ignoring. I mean, you know, as small of a part it is. I mean, he is sort of an in integral part of the X Men's future. I mean, the days of future past. I mean, he is an X Man, and he's slain by a sentinel mm -hmm. and we later got that great sequel that involved the fantastic uh, the days of future present and the introduction of uh ahab and yeah i mean i thought that was a great story although at this point haven't all those alternate futures been rendered uh moot didn't excalibur pretty much do away with that back in the yeah yeah, yeah. i think days of future past can't come to pass now cable's future has been completely changed by yeah. team cable numerous times bishop's future is not gonna happen i, I think the oh that's a shame i'd like ruby summers to come back <laughs> yeah i, I would I, 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 yeah uh, but at least that means there's no trevor fitzroy there's a plus yeah fuck that guy, <laughs> yeah, that guy <laughs> <a douche. laughs> and he's not coming back he's a time traveler doesn't fall into the resurrection protocols that's right yeah <laughs> we haven't seen Artie and leech have we they, they, they i mean they showed up in fantastic four and they're like shown to the gate and then we haven't seen them on Krakoa since they came back. No, no I, I can't. They, they should be running around the Academos habitat. Yeah, that would be, you know, it's always nice to see the Moppets. But, you know, we got WizKid and Sword. Yeah. And more importantly, we got Magneto's best friend, Peeper. <laughs> oh, Peeper. <laughs> A man of vision. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I still think within the top 
five issues of any of the Hawks Pox and post Hawks Pox is basically an entire issue that is just set up for Xavier for for Magneto to dunk on Fabian Cortez. <laughs> just take that, you that, ponytailed it, SOB. They brought Cortez back basically as this like you know really obnoxious deep pool, and they've made no attempt to make him likable. And in that, it almost makes him likable. It's, it's like it's almost like he's like reliably a douche. Yeah, it it works. He is a character you love to hate. Yeah. They've done a good job of turning him from a character you just hate into a character you love to hate. Yeah, because he's just the worst. Like Doctor Nemesis got to dunk on him too. I mean, so Doctor Nemesis dunks on everyone. That is true. But it's fucking art when he does it. <laughs> yes, it is absolutely art. Uh, and you know, if you're still looking for characters you can you can hate and hate to hate, well, listen, Fenris is still right there. Oh yeah, they're the worst. Now were they resurrected? Yes. They yeah, were. they okay. were. They were in the uh, the Crucible. Yes, That's they right. were watching the Crucible. Yes, yes. Were they watching the Crucible or the Quarry? They were in the audience for like, remember, like I think, like in the beginning of oh, Cable, they set up like there's like another battle arena that's not for killing people in Resurrection. Oh, they might have been there. That's yeah, just for fun, they were in the audience. Fun fights. Yeah. I think they were the Crucible because they were like they, they made some comment about how we were willing to kill them. <laughs> like, the Nazis, they just deserve whatever they get. I'm sorry, they're one of those characters that you know, Magne- I, I feel like Magneto will have a bad day and he'll just find Ferris and he'll kill them again. <laughs> Just, you know, just put them in the back of the program. Off Steve, yes. Yeah, at least, like, you know, kind of like what you see with, like, you know, the resurrected Morlocks when they come after Grey Crow. Mm. <laughs> that was a good scene. You know, speaking oh. of the quarry and the fun fights, though, like, if I'm Silver Samurai, and that's all I'm doing is, like, uh, refereeing uh, battles, like, isn't there a part of him that's like, why don't I get to be a captain? <laughs> Gordon came out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> they are the oldest resurrected. We were talking about this off mic before about Fenris. No, uh, the Morlocks. Oh, oh, the old school that about. So we saw in that the end, of the last issue of Marauders, and the the backup that was reprinted in the new issue, that they said that they hadn't had the backups at the time that Lord of Chantel, Lord of Chantel died, so they couldn't resurrect her, and so I had been thinking, what was the character who had the earliest death? that we have seen resurrected. And I think as far as I can tell, because I've been thinking that it was the Hellions, but now that if old school mutant massacre era marauders, marauders, Morlocks Morlocks have been resurrected, they are the earliest deaths Mm -hmm. that have come back. So you're looking at 86 our time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that I think anyone who died, we haven't seen anyone who's died before then who has been protocoled back? Ooh, Larry Bodine is Ray right on the bottom. <laughs> oh, speaking of new mutant stories, that will bring on the waterworks. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> no sign of uh, what's his face, uh, Alchemist from that uh, Excalibur. Or, uh, X, was it, it was X Factor. That X Factor two-parter who died in Death of X. Mm. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, he, he, we haven't seen him back yet. No. But, I mean, he has nobody, you know, against him necessarily, but I don't think anybody's like, okay, we need to bring this guy back right now. He's not just constantly shifting to the back of the protocols like uh, Emma's sisters. Adrian Frost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody, nobody misses Adrian Frost. Uh, or Cordelia, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think they just keep, you know, like, oh, they're coming up in the order. Um, oh, but. I'm sorry. Uh, 
all of X-Force just died again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, the Hellions are gone again. No, the, I, I just saw them walk right past. Give me a moment. Bang, bang, bang. All the Hellions are dead again. Push Cordelia further back. Uh, sorry, we have to shut down the hatchery. Quentin Quire's having his 100th resurrection party. <laughs> I feel like I have a running tally, like this many issues since Grey Crow has killed uh, Ed. <laughs> you know, he's another one. It's like, you know, why do you keep resurrecting that guy? Just put him at the back of the list and bring him back when you need him for something. Yeah, but that's the whole point, though. It's a book about the characters who are the worst. Oh. And, and Havoc. Yeah. Who, Summer's Boy is sad. And, and, and Canon. She's, she's and, and Canon, yes, absolutely. She, she's perfectly okay. <laughs> and she's, she's the one running the team. Yeah. And, and Grey Crow. Which, wow. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. A marauder who's actually like a sympathetic character. He's shown a little bit of heart. Like actually yeah. dropped the F-bomb. Friend. <laughs> yeah. His last appearance. <laughs> you know, while still atoning for his many, many, many misdeeds. Oh, so many. And, and then, there, you know, one thing I was thinking of when I was thinking of some older X-stories. You remember Chavert? The dude yeah, who Yeah, the guy who raised Strife. Right. But he showed up in a cable story in the present. He did? Yeah, back during the, the Ladron era. And he was, like, thrown into one of Apocalypse's, like, you know, pods. And I kind of assumed that he was from the present and was, like, stuck in that pod until the future when he came back. I do not remember that. And wow. does, does that qualify him for resurrection? <laughs> there, there's the, the protocols remain somewhat ambiguous as much as they've... Cleared it, them up. It depends on whether anyone in the X office was reading and a fan of the Joe Casey slash James Robinson Jose Ladron Cable era, which was a good era. I'm not, you know, yeah. knocking it. The Q definitely remains very uh, ambiguous. Also, I mean, well, it's probably uh, constantly changing. We saw that whole deal, like with, and we can talk spoilers, like really recent yeah. sports with the Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and basically there's an unspoken protocol, like, oh no, we need to bring him back now. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, anyone who dies in the Crucible gets jumps right to the front of the line. Yeah. And X-Force and apparently the Hellions jump right to the front of the line no matter how many times they die. Is anybody mission-oriented or, yeah. If you die for the state, yeah, it puts you, yeah, it I guess, the state. at the front of the, the resurrection queue. Actually, okay, so you, we mentioned the New Mutants. So Karma died in the Crucible. They brought her back at the end of the last issue. It was a really well-done issue. But the whole reason they killed Karma was to separate her and Trant. They don't actually address whether they separated her and Trant. Right, yeah, she's back and is whole. But he... Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I've been trying to think of mutants that we haven't actively seen resurrected. And there aren't... other than ones who we know they can't. Yeah. Like Blindfold and uh, Irene. Like, did they bring back that guy who died, who was dying of the legacy virus and got beat up by a bunch of bigots in X-Men Prime? Whose name I don't even remember. And Maverick's sidekick who was dying of the legacy virus? What? They introduced an X-Men Unlimited, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that kid. Copycat. We haven't seen Vanessa. She died. What did she die of? Uh, Creed killed her in the Deadpool 
Agent of Weapon X oh, era. Oh, was that during the Thierry run? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I don't remember it. Okay. Right, exactly. But yeah, I'm, I'm 99% sure that Creed killed her then. And uh, uh, Birdie, Creed's <laughs> telepath. Oh, yeah. She, she hasn't come back. And you mentioned Garrison Kane, right? Yeah. AKA Mutant Inspector Gadget. <laughs> yeah. Here's, Is here's, he a mutant though? Grizzly. Robot Grizzly. Here's a, here's a <laughs> back from the old Freedom Force days. Super Saber. Remember yeah. he was beheaded? It, it was uh, one of those. Uh, well, he wasn't a mutant, right? They were just nope. they were just murder grandpas. The, the others no, were. Crimson think... Commando was not, and I think he was turned into a cyborg. Right. right. It was the whole. They were in an operation in, in Afghanistan. I want to say, or yeah, Afghanistan or Iraq. Because I think that was. I think it was Iraq. Because that was right around Desert Storm. But the saber. Yeah, was speeding and basically he's beheaded on like his head hits a wire or uh -huh. something. Yeah. Which was the first time I ever encountered those characters in a comic. It was a very strange thing. He's like, oh, well, these guys are dead. And that, and that was a weird thing, too. Like, they were just, like, three old guys who trapped Storm in a, in a field. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're on, like, Freedom Force. And, and I think that was just meant to, inter you know, Claremont was like, okay, I just want to get these guys out in the open and now, yeah. you know, put them well, there. Stonewall, according to, you know, online the sources, <laughs> uh, is human mutant. Uh, okay. You know, your very basic, generic, uh, Strong superhuman guy. strength, superhuman durability powers. Uh, nope. Don't need that one. It's like, okay, let's, I was following the trade, and I, instead of clicking on the link for Super Saber, I clicked on the link for World War II. Um, <laughs> I know what that is. Uh, Super Saber... <laughs> Is listed as human mutant, superhuman oh. speed. Okay. But I'm fairly certain that Crimson Commando is just a dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's non-superhuman physical perfection cyborg implant. So he is just a dude. So he couldn't come to Krakoa. Nope. But his two uh, best friends could. Interesting. Yes. Again, I don't know if he's still alive. I don't remember what his last code name was, but we still haven't seen... Uh, one of those characters that I remember because he had an action figure when he, in no logical reason, should have. Uh, the mutant formerly known as Comcast. Who oh, was, like, yeah. was a Deadpool background <laughs> character and appeared like three times and had an action figure. And well, he ended like, up being in like the Xavier Underground or something like that. Something. <laughs> but he, I, I don't think we've seen him. And he's... Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I guarantee there's a lot of those weird characters from yeah. that period. Character, you know, the, those '90s mutants who appeared once. Mm -hmm. Infection. Yeah, we haven't seen <laughs> Infection. She had a great death, though. She I did. Mean, that was a great beast moment. Yes. You know, back when you know Hank McCoy was sympathetic. Mm -hmm. There were those times. Around that same time, Threnody. Yeah, we haven't seen Threnody. You would think Sinister would want his pets back. Mm. And Nate Gray falls under outside the protocols as an alternate universe. I'm still unclear on how that ended. Right? Like, like Nate Gray and the Age of X-Man Magneto decided to live in a bubble inside his own head. And theoretically, isn't Nate Gray still, like, dying on a beach in British Columbia? Like it's like a lot, like an end, like an end of lost type situation. Quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> and we still don't. There's all the other. The, there's a whole generation of mutants around Apocalypse that we don't know. Like, like the original the horsemen. horsemen, though 
the both original horsemen in continuity from the comics that yeah right yeah. and then those like old school horsemen from uncanny x-force and also all those characters from uncanny x-force and uncanny avengers the uh oh god the apocalypse twins the apocalypse twins and genocide the slightly renamed version of holocaust who was this earth's version of that character uh, and i guess sugar man and dark beast don't count because they're from alternate earths mm-hmm. neil shara thunderbird oh he's yeah he should still be around around he was part of the x-core i think the last time okay. my god that was morrison I well think then was... he would have been annihilated on a mission then no that because that was morrison's era he was part of the uh extreme x-men yeah i don't know whatever and and Dark Star? Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Slipstream and Lifeguard. Although they're... they're ha- were their powers mutant? Or were their powers that they were half Shi'ar and thus it created something funky? I don't know. And where's Adam X? Did they get him out of the Mojoverse or is he still out over there they didn't, directing they stuff They did films? not rescue him from the Mojoverse. <laughs> they, they got Shatterstar. <laughs> and, and they left uh, <laughs> Sophia in charge of... The, the Mojoverse. And isn't he, he pretty much runs a show that's just like Ed Pisker's Red Room? Yeah. Like, yeah. Room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, what did you think? Did you read Red Room? I liked it. Do we have time? Yes, tangent. Uh, tangent. Okay. I remember it was presented to me like, okay, it, it's Ed Pisker doing torture porn. Maybe it's not going to be in your wheelhouse. I, you know, I took a chance on it. Anyway. It really skirts that line between like exploitation and very kind of knowing tongue in cheek. I mean, his references check out. I mean, this is you know somebody who's very influenced by like the late eighties, you know, black and white indies. I remember he he mentioned like uh, Danny Bouvet and uh, I think he like butchered his name, <laughs> Dennis, uh, Warlock Five, mm. and like a lot of like the air cell books and everything. And it feels like, you know, those references kind of are, like, spot on with Red Room. It's not 100% in my wheelhouse, you know? I mean, I, I'm not a, a fan of, like, that kind of, like, extreme gore and everything. But I like where he's going with it. I love his artwork. It, 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 it's just, like, a nasty little piece, you know? Like, what do you call it? Like, the video nasties back in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to compare it to maybe, like, what the EC books were in the 50s for people. It's, it's like, it's trying to be... You know, ooh, this is going to be just a little bit naughty, but not too naughty, you know. I liked it. I mean, too Long didn't read. I, I, I liked it more than I thought I would. I, I like Ed Fisker a lot. And it's funny, when I listened to uh, the show that you guys did with him, I mean, the guy almost sounds like a doppelganger in me. I mean, how many times... I haven't said the word zeitgeist once. Oh, I just broke that now. I dropped that word a few times. He's constantly referring to Stephen King's Dance Macabre, which I think mm-hmm. is one of the great like dissertations on like horror fiction culture ever and he was talking about um he really got into like, in the early 90s with gladstone were writing the ec i recently and this is maybe something like if we have time to talk about what we did during this last year mm-hmm. i ebayed the entire line all the gladstone Ooh. reprints i've got all of them Ooh, that's cool. between like you know three different bids there are three different you know transactions i did i got the entire line for you know a pretty good price and i treasure them because that that is honestly the best way to read them i'm going off on a digit, different tangent <laughs> as nice as what like you know fanographics and dark horse have done with the hardcover i i don't like the recoloring and everything these books are meant to be read on newsprint paper you know with the old it, those gladstones were like perfectly beautiful 
blueprints. I think you've now given me the next thing I'm going to be start searching for at cons when they come back because I think those would be. I mean, I remember sitting and reading those. We had, you know, a rack of them at Dewey's, and I would, yeah. you know, on when it was slow, I'd be like, let me just read some tales from the crypt. You're not going to find it. They're more you're going to find it maybe in like the two to five dollar bins. I could, I've never seen any of them in the dollar bins. Really, I could so. drop two bucks a pop on those. Oh, worth it. I would very, have no problem. Very much with worth that. it. Well, now that you said the word zeitgeist, something else popped in my head. None of zeitgeist. Yeah, none of those <laughs> characters from X Force, from the Milligan X Force, all of whom were wiped out. Well, well, Milligan and All Red are supposed to be doing a ten issue uh, sequel to the uh, excellent, excellent. Uh, actually, I think that's what it's called. Right. Yeah, that's right. Because it was Giant Size Ecstatics. Yes. Uh, yeah, sequel to that I, at some point. It hasn't been formally solicited yet, but we did have Peter Milligan on the show yep. confirming that it was still a thing. Yep. I mean, so I just figured that he's not going to be using... I mean, he wiped out a lot of mutants in that book. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they can't, can they resurrect fake Princess Diana? I mean, <laughs> no, nobody's going to talk about that character. That That is a character that just... Yeah. I would love to see fake Princess Diana just hanging out in the Green Lagoon, though. <laughs> Just as a matter of course, just always there. <laughs> you know, I would absolutely kill for a one shot in the style of that X Men Holiday Special with one page from different creators that. that is a Tales from the Green Lagoon. That it's Blob narrating it like the Crypt Keeper, <laughs> and it's just Tales from the Green Lagoon. Maybe it's it's maybe they're two or three page stories, but they're they're little short pieces, and it's. All this blob, you know, it open like the the way that the Sims Jubilee, the Sims Bowers Jubilee yeah, story, yeah. that it's that is blob is that throughout, and then in between there's all these little short I'm, vignettes. I'm gonna one up you on that actually. You do the cover sort of the EC style, but it's not just blob. You've got the three circles. You've got the blob. You've got Exodus, who's telling <laughs> one of his campfire stories to the youths, and then oh, we'd have to come up with big number three. Oh, that, somebody, you know, somebody okay. in Academos, like you know. Shadow King, or even something like Mask, or you yeah. know, I, I think it's Mask is playing golf. <laughs> You're just Mask. watching Mask doing a golf game. Celine, mm. Celine would probably be Necra. Necra is a mutant. We have not seen oh, her on. That's an interesting. Thing. That that you know. Yeah, I like Mask because the hood. That he doesn't wear the hood anymore. No, he that doesn't. Halloween, that would be a great Halloween special to do. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I, I just you know. I think you know after extremists, Blob's a good yeah. good boy, and he deserves some more some more page time. And also, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, for everybody who's like, well, where's this character? And you're like, shut up, here you go. <laughs> do it as a nice horror special, and then you know what? Because I know it's sort of the trend. At the end, you uh, do a reprint of a classic story, reprint the classic uh, Claremont Sienkiewicz Dracula, mm. which, oh, which is great stuff. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a stone classic. <laughs> Self-contained and that, or that Silver Age issue where the X-Men fight Frankenstein. Oh God! <laughs> you know, I, I, I say this. I, I, I'm about done with the X-Men and vampires. Like I, I miss old school Dracula. God damn it! And yes, he went out in the best possible way with Pete Wisdom destroying his invasion from the moon. But it's just like I, I just don't like this new Dracula design. He just looks like a reject from Underworld. <laughs> yeah. And they're taking up a lot of page time in Wolverine. Uh, that's the thing, man. Like, Wolverine, it's not the most required reading, is it? No. 
every now and then there's like, like it, it takes part in crossovers. I am looking forward to them bringing back uh, Solus, Solon, so- Solemn, Solemn from yes. Otherworld. Or, yeah, or, he's got to be coming back soon. Araco, whatever. He, he was okay. Was Cipher Cyber a mutant, or was he just the dude with adamantium skin? That's a good question. I don't know. I think because I, I, he had those fear pheromones or fear powers or something. Well, that was yeah. Was that like him just executing? Did he have drugs on his claws, or was he actually a mutant? Oh, human mutant? Superhuman strength, that means human tractable claws, psionic ability to track individual brain patterns. That's odd. Yeah, they did <laughs> stuff with him that I never read. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of it was in like the like the the Dakin series. Mm. Yeah, he's just the. Yeah, I was just like, yeah. we haven't seen him on Krakoa. I don't think there are really... I think it's mostly, like, C-list villains who haven't been resurrected. Sienna Blaze. Still haven't seen Sienna Blaze. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only upstart we haven't... I mean, well, short of Graydon Creed for obvious reasons. And Fitzroy, because, again... Time travelers. Under the okay, all right. Protocols. Not all the upstarts. But all the other upstarts. Yeah. You know, uh, Shinobi. You know, with when they brought back the Fallen Angels... I guess uh, IP or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the, the, the name. That, that name, you know. Yeah. Where's Chance? Where's Ariel? You know, where's, yeah. where do these, these characters that have not been seen? Apparently, Gomi was involved with the Avengers or something. Okay. I want to say. I, I feel like I heard that. Like he's part of their security team, or I mean, Ariel yeah, yeah. showed up in twenty. She was an X Men at one point. Very brief. She, she was killed off in second. Coming. Rogue but it turned her... out she was a lot. She had been was caught trapped in between dimensions. Rogue brought Carrie, her back, right? Yeah. In the yeah. Carrie legacy. Yeah, yeah. So she's still out there. She somewhere. was brought back literally right before they did the whole schism thing, like when uh, Logan opened the school. Right, opened the school. Because I was assuming, like, oh, okay, well, she's going to go off and she's going to be involved with that somehow, and she has not been seen since. No, no, no sign of Rusty Collins. Yeah, and sk- I mean, have we? S- I mean, Rusty skin- Collins is at the bottom of the list, <laughs> next to the Frost Sisters. No one gives a fuck. Skids is there. Skids was in mode yep. October three. What, wasn't she? Or uh, she an Agent of Shield? She was an Agent of Shield. Yes. Also, the, a buttload of acolytes. There's just a buttload yeah. of acolytes oh, they yeah. haven't resurrected. Again, no one's advocating for the Kleinstock triplets to come back. Yes. Oh yeah. No. I or Senyaka. Right. Uh, I, I get. I think those might be Fabian Cortez every now and then. He goes up to the you know. The, to one of the five. May I see any 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 possibility of Yunusion coming back anytime yeah. soon? Uh, she might still be alive. Right where, where is Seamus Mellencamp? Oh, Mellencamp. Yeah. And Spoor. <laughs> Who wore else is this guy to a Scottish? The problem is if you bring these characters back, you end up having to overpopulate the Hellions book because there's nowhere else for them to oh, go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all irredeemable bastards. They're just shitbags. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Sinyaka, Sinyaka, he's absolutely a hellion. It's the same thing with the original Marauders. Like, Grey Crows, I, I guess, say, well, Tipper Tooth in a hole. That's right. But, like, and Malice is is now walking around with the body. Fascinating. That was fascinating. Uh, kudos to uh, Excalibur. But, uh, like, there's no reason to have the rest of them walking around. Right. They're, yeah. Until somebody decides that there's a compelling story to tell about Blockbuster. <laughs> I mean, that's why all the Morlocks were shuffled off to a retirement community in Arizona. In Arizona, because it was like we, you know, we, we need somewhere to put these guys. 
And why now they are also running a bar in Lowtown. Yeah. Which is kind of great. Ah, <laughs> uh, bliss. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Well, well, guys, this has been uh, fantastic. Uh, good hang. Any other notes before we wrap up? Oh, I could go on all day. So yeah. I'll probably just <laughs> we probably will off mic. Uh, all right, y'all. Well, I'm gonna let the other me that does the outro uh, handle that part of it. So, bye. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, meaning you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom and Chris's on Infinite Earths, and a ton of great comics criticism at comicsxf.com. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at comicsxf.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQcomics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. A $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail for my collection, a $3 donation gets you a slot in the Comics XF staff picks, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from Toxman at ComicsXF.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, that one time Pete Wisdom stopped a vampire invasion from the moon. W-N-Q-A.